，享受工作，乐生活。就算不在办公室，也能从容应对线上会议。HP Dragonfly 透过专业的 HP Presence 设计，内建降噪及会议快速键，搭配清晰的 Ben and Offson 音效，增强音讯及视讯功能。HP Dragonfly 顶级商务笔电，采用 Windows 11专业版。让您在会议中享有最佳的视觉和听觉品质。Today we meet medical case manager and amateur fashion model Li Yingying. Li recently represented Taiwan at the Miss Globe 2022 beauty contest. But walking the catwalk is just a hobby for Li. By profession, she cares for patients at Kaohsiung Medical University Hospital. We chatted about how she overcame many challenges to compete in the pageant. Next finalist is Miss Taiwan. Li Yinin competes proudly alongside many accomplished young women from around the world in the Miss Globe 2022 competition. Standing tall at 174 centimeters, she moves with grace and assurance. I come from Taiwan, a beautiful country with many friendly people like me. My English is not that good. My English speaking isn't that good, actually. Secondly, the models competing internationally are all extremely impressive supermodels or online influencers, so that was quite difficult. Lee graduated top of her class from the psychology department at Kaohsiung Medical University. Now she works as a case manager at the affiliated hospital. The role, which is somewhat similar to social work, requires her to accompany and take care of patients. In her spare time, she prepared intensively for the Miss Globe stage. I broke my foot once, so wearing high heels is quite tough for me. I worked hard on physiotherapy. I love working as a medical assistant for children, so I spend quite a lot of time on my work. Normally, I use the time after work and evenings to practice my runway walk, workout, and take care of my health. Lee garnered lots of experience in fashion shows and modeling at university. You might never guess how she was bullied at school for being too tall. Now, in her work, she hopes to help many other people who are going through dark times. The Taiwan Floral Variety Promotion Show is back again this year, with more than 1,000 flower varieties on show. The three-day event is organized by the Agriculture and Food Agency and the Taiwan Floriculture Development Association at the Taipei Nangang Exhibition Center. Several of the flowers on display are newly developed varieties in a dazzling range of colors, shapes, and sizes. The AFA says it hopes the event will result in more than 200 million NT in sales and orders. Bright red blossoms, delicate daisies, and opulent orchids are just some of the wonders at this floral exhibit. This year's edition of the Taiwan Flora Variety Promotion Show kicked off on Thursday, with more than 1,000 flower varieties on display. Taiwan is known around the world for its excellent orchids. At this exhibit, you can see a rare orchid plant that alternates red and yellow in its flowers, coupled with a moth orchid that blooms in a sophisticated ivory white. Both are newly developed varieties. Also on show are two new varieties of double-flowered Madagascar periwinkle. One of them flares out like a torch, with petals that roll out like strands of lace, while the other has solid and big peachy pink petals. The main characteristic of these two Madagascar periwinkles is that they are double-flowered. 
They are completely different from other Madagascar periwinkles. The exhibition features 500 flowers more than its previous edition. The head of the Agriculture and Food Agency, Hu Zhongyi, presided over the award ceremony to celebrate the strength of Taiwan's floriculture. I hope that this will be an opportunity for the new varieties developed in Taiwan to be promoted to the entire world. We will register and protect these new varieties. Taiwan's floriculture industry has an output value of 6.278 billion NT. The Agriculture and Food Agency says it plans to sell the new varieties of flowers in Europe, the US and Japan. The expo is expected to attract 50,000 to 100,000 visitors and result in 200 to 300 million NT in sales. With COVID easing and domestic demand picking up, business in the food and drink sector has been booming in comparison with last year. For workers in some companies, that's great news, as that means higher year-end bonuses. One food and drink chain has announced bonuses this year will be up to two months' pay, and starting next year, salaries will go up by 8%. Let's hear from a representative. Our year-end bonus will be between 1.2 months and 2 months. That's a total of more than 50 million NT. During the pandemic, we spent more time on training and carrying out assessments for promotions. So now that the pandemic is over, the speed at which our stores open up and the service quality offered by our staff will shoot up. Next year, we should be raising salaries for all employees by about 8%. Our revenue is better now than during the pandemic. There's that and the policies to encourage company trips. In previous years, we went to Shanghai, Japan and South Korea. We're also considering that. Another leader in the industry, while Prime says its revenue in October marked a record high for the month. Though last year the company offered a year-end bonus of just half a month's salary, it says it's planning to give out bigger bonuses this year. Meanwhile, La Cafa International says its revenue in its first three quarters combined surpassed its business for the entirety of 2021, adding that its bonuses will also be bigger than last year. The Formosa Railway Bento Festival is here. The TRA has long been famous for its beloved bento boxes. But all good things must change, and one of its iconic wooden octagonal boxes is getting replaced with something more environmentally friendly. To bid it farewell, Taiwan Railways is releasing a limited edition range of souvenirs. A delicious pork chop. The octagonal box for this star anise pork chop bento is phasing out, but you can now buy it as various accessories, a mini lunchbox, a smart card, or a pillow. It's a time capsule. We're welcoming the beauty of commemorating the past and welcoming the future of our new trains hitting the tracks. This series of products all have a very special launch with a product that is no longer sold. Taiwan Railways' new train series, EMU 900 and EMU 3000, are also available as smart cards and pillows. And there are these model trains, which are actually commemorative bottles of spirits.
These star anise pork chop bentos come in boxes made with real wood and feature marinated pork chops with greens and braised eggs. They're very affordable. The star anise pork cutlet bento has been riding trains for 20 years in its octagonal boxes. The traditional shape is about to become history as the boxes get replaced with round containers. We're complying with environmental protection and supporting that, and we're complying with our materials. So in the future, we will launch a new range of bento boxes, and we will no longer use wood. Taiwan Railways makes annual profits of more than 700 million NT just from its bento boxes and souvenirs. These souvenirs, based on the eight themes of the festival, are causing a stir among railway fans. NBA star Dwight Howard is scheduled to arrive in Taiwan late Thursday, ready to start a new chapter in his career with the Taoyuan Leopards. Basketball fans have been anticipating his arrival and are looking forward to seeing him hit the court. Tickets for his first four games with the Leopards sold out just moments after they became available at midday on Thursday. That's more than 60,000 tickets. Before boarding his flight to Taiwan, Howard posted a video on social media thanking fans for their support, signing off saying Taiwan Superman is on the way. The 36-year-old player hasn't yet arrived in Taiwan, but already fans can't wait to see him shooting hoops. At a press conference held just after the U.S. midterm elections, President Joe Biden was questioned by reporters how he will approach the Taiwan issue when he meets face-to-face -face with Chinese leader Xi Jinping at the G20 summit next week. Let's hear how he responded. At the G20 summit in Bali, Indonesia next week, U.S. President Joe Biden will meet with Chinese leader Xi Jinping. This will be their first face-to-face -face meeting since Biden's inauguration, and the world will be watching closely. When you meet with President Xi Jinping of China, will you tell him that you're committed to defending Taiwan militarily? And what are you hoping to get out of this meeting that will make it a success? Are you willing to make any concessions to him? At 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Biden held his first press conference after the U.S. midterm elections and was pressed by reporters about his attitude toward China. Not only was Biden asked directly whether he would tell Xi personally that the U.S. would defend Taiwan militarily, but he was also asked whether he would make concessions to China. Look, I'm not, make, I'm not willing to make any fundamental concessions because what, I am, what I've told him in the beginning, and I've told him, I'm looking for competition, not, not, uh, not conflict. Biden responded that the U.S. will stand firm in its position of competition rather than conflict with China, and he will not make any fundamental concessions, as U.S. policy toward Taiwan has not changed. Taiwan doctrine has not changed at all from the very beginning, the very beginning. So I'm sure we'll discuss China, uh, uh, the, uh, excuse me, Taiwan. But unlike his decisive statement in September that the U.S. military would defend Taiwan in the event of a Chinese invasion, Biden did not answer this question with a yes or no, so the reporter pressed the issue a second time. You didn't two say if you will uh, tell Xi Jinping personally that you are committed to defending Taiwan. I'm going to have that conversation with him. In the end, Biden still did not give a clear-cut response. 
However, he has recently stated on multiple occasions that he is prepared for the U.S. military to defend Taiwan. In the face of the stalemate in the U.S. midterm elections, experts generally believe that no matter which party is in the lead, both will continue to promote the Taiwan Policy Act to strengthen U.S.-Taiwan relations and maintain a hardline policy toward China. The astronautics team from National Chenggong University has successfully launched the first 100% Taiwanese two-stage hybrid rocket. The breakthrough launch took place in Shuhai Village on the east coast of Pingdong. NCKU researchers and the National Science and Technology Council are delighted with the test and say it paves the way for even grander projects in the future. The rocket launches successfully. This diagonal angle will enable it to withstand winds up to level 10 on the Beaufort scale. After the booster detaches from the rocket mid-air, the second stage rocket can continue on a journey of 20 kilometers. Despite a strong and fast wind at this dawn launch, the rocket took to the skies without a hitch. The front radome disappeared after the first stage of the rocket fell away, so it was probably on the second stage. I think that the detach and firing of the second stage was successful. The rocket measured 6.23 meters long, about as tall as a two-story building, and weighed 270 kilograms. It comes entirely from the Agency of Taiwanese Research Organizations and Related Industries. Everything from the design and development to the manufacturing was completed by Taiwan. The primary mission for this project was to complete a two-stage rocket launch and to test the technologies involved in firing the second stage mid-air. Another key focus was tracking the rocket's dynamic trajectory from start to finish. In the future, we will be able to continue to support the missions and tests of two types of exploratory rockets, both vertical and diagonal launches. This launch site opened early this year. The launch represents a major leap off the drawing board for NCKU's two-stage hybrid rocket and a proof of concept for the research. In 2009, the team was still working on launching a rocket of a mere 30 kilogram force. Today, they've launched a rocket with a kilogram force of 1,500. They can't wait to see what the future will bring. As winter rolls in, coughs and colds are on the rise. The flu can be a big concern at this year. But everyone over the age of 50 is entitled to a free flu vaccine. A Taiwanese doctor recently published research claiming that the flu vaccine can help prevent asthma as well. A vaccination station beside Shidan Night Market. A steady stream of people arrives to get a free shot. Wei Zhengcong of Zhongshan Medical University recently described results from his team's research on the flu vaccine. They found it can reduce the risk of developing asthma for people with allergies. Citing a research paper from the journal Nature, he also said the flu vaccine reduces the risk of getting COVID, particularly reducing the risk of severe symptoms by 90%. And he cited a Lancet Public Health 
studies saying that the flu vaccine cuts one's risk of a stroke by 23%. The so-called big data is what we call observational research. Basically, you simply look at a result or phenomenon. It's very difficult to speculate on a causative relationship, but some past studies have shown that influenza does not simply make you feel unwell with a cold, sneezing and fever. It causes other complications, the most common of which is cardiovascular disease, such as heart disease, stroke and so on. Wei concludes from these studies that the flu vaccine can help protect you from related diseases or symptoms, including heart disease and stroke. But some doctors say that the link with stroke needs more research before it can be confirmed. I think we still need more data or more experiments to see whether the flu vaccine can prevent stroke to infer a causative relationship. I would suggest people improve their lifestyle habits, including their diet and exercise. If you have any chronic diseases such as high blood pressure, diabetes or high blood lipids, you must proactively treat those. Publicly funded flu vaccines are available to everyone over the age of 50. Doctors urge everyone who is eligible to get protected this winter. In an earnings call on Thursday, tech giant Honghai announced its third quarter financial report, which showed a record high EPS of 7.32 NT for the past three quarters. At the meeting, the company also addressed the situation with its factories in Henan province, China, where another COVID outbreak has led to strict lockdowns. Let's hear what they said. The Henan provincial government has already made it clear that they will fully support Hanhai, stamp out COVID as fast as possible, and work together to return to normal production capacity in the shortest possible time. Honghai Chair Yang Liu announced the company's third quarter financial report, revealing an after-tax net profit of 38.7 billion NT and an EPS of 2.8 NT. Total earnings per share for the previous three quarters was 7.32 NT, with record high revenue and net profit compared with the same period in previous years. The DPP's and KMT's mayoral candidates for Jilong on Thursday canvassed for votes at major transport hubs in the city. The DPP candidate Tai Shi-ing recently announced a joint proposal with the mayoral candidates of other northern Taiwan cities to launch an ambitious monthly transport pass. Meanwhile, the KMT candidate expressed reservations about the plan, wondering why the proposal wasn't announced earlier. To attract votes from commuters, the DPP's mayoral candidate for Jilong, Tsai Shiying, headed to Jilong Station early in the morning to greet locals. Meanwhile, the KMT's candidate Xie Guoliang did the same at Sankang Station. The two candidates headed to important transport hubs to canvas for votes just days after the DPP's mayoral candidates for Taipei, New Taipei, Taoyuan and Jilong put forward a proposal for a monthly transport pass for the four cities costing 1,200 NT. I won't oppose any measure that helps commuters. My issue is that the DPP has ruled for seven years and Lin Yotang is in his eighth year in office. Why did they wait until the last six months of the term to propose this? Xie Guoliang responded to the proposal yesterday and beat it down. It feels like he doesn't want to see Jilong improve. 
We're working hard to promote this. His reaction sounds like sour grapes to me. I can understand criticism, but he doesn't get it. He's clueless about urban governance. The mayoral race is heating up in Geelong. Another issue of contention is a recent accusation from former lawmaker Huang Guochang, who says Tsai Shiying may have pressured the Ministry of National Defense to sell land at a cheap price. Former Presidential Office Secretary General Luo Zhiqiang also weighed in on the matter on Facebook, calling on Tsai to withdraw his candidacy and confess his guilt. Xie also commented on the matter on Thursday. The section chief said there was pressure. That section chief knows everyone in the legislative yuan and is the one in charge of managing the land of the Ministry of National Defense. The Ministry of National Defense admitted they had been in communication. If that's not pressure, then what is? At that time, I was not a lawmaker. In fact, back then, the KMT was in charge. Luo Zhiqiang is trying to pin this on me. It's simply unbelievable, jumping to conclusions. The DPP and KMT mayoral candidates keep trading barbs on the countdown to Election Day. The KMT mayoral candidate for Taipei, Jiang Wan'an, announced his resignation from the Legislative Yuan on Thursday, which he says shows his determination to win the election. The sudden announcement, however, garnered some criticism from rivals Chen Shizhong and Huang Shanshan. Let's hear what they have to say. I want to show that I'm not turning back and I'm determined to win. Therefore, I announce that I am formally resigning from my position in the Legislative Yuan. With just over two weeks to go until Election Day, the KMT's mayoral candidate for Taipei, Jiang Wan'an, announced his resignation as lawmaker. His two main rivals weighed in on the matter. This is a political judgment of his, but I have always thought that his function in the legislative yuan was not very important. So whether he resigns or not does not really matter to me. His resignation is a bit late. First, I resigned when I announced my candidacy in August, but he announced his candidacy in May and only now resigned. I think he's putting on a higher level of showmanship. During a web show on Wednesday, DPP mayoral candidate Chen Shizhong called into question Jiang's prior vow to defend his homeland, saying Jiang didn't even appear qualified to carry a gun. I don't know if he's qualified to carry a gun. If you want to defend your homeland with a gun, you need qualifications. You need to have served in the military, have training. I don't know whether he was a reservist or anything, or what he'd do if there's a war. The DPP's stance of fighting against China to protect Taiwan is just lip service. We saw it on the drone show that President Tsai watched the National Day. There were 400 Chinese drones flying overhead. Only now do we find out that actually that could have been a national security risk and that there was a major oversight. You say you are fighting against China to protect Taiwan. How are you going to protect Taiwan? Jiang criticized the DPP's stance, but did not comment on the issue of his military training or lack thereof.